Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Today we are talking all things licensing, specifically digital licensing and music law with Bobby, who is the Digital Legal Counsel at Warner Chapel and who previously worked at Apple Music. We talk about diversity within the music industry, particularly in music law, which is an area I'm sure we can all agree is still a less diverse part of our business. Bobby is massively knowledgeable about all things music rights and has recently launched Music Defined, a music consultancy offering a one-to-one service for artists and songwriters as well as businesses. Here's how the conversation went. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us on um, this lovely Monday morning. Apparently it's Blue Monday today. It's bright over here, so I'm going to take that blue Monday away, but thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time as well. So we like to kick off with a couple of warm-up questions um, so our audience can get to know you as a person as well as professional you. So, Radio 1 or 6 Music? (laughs) Interesting. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to say Capital Extra (laughs) or Radio 2 Funky, which is my brother's radio station. But if I had to choose, I'm going to say 6 Music when Giles Peterson is playing. Nice. Or Craig Charles. Or Craig Charles straight after on a Saturday, yeah. <laughs> when you are not working, where can we find you? In the gym, lifting heavy weights, or hunting sneakers somewhere, buying sneakers, or just searching for new sneakers. How many pairs of sneakers do you have? I think I've lost count, but we're kind of talking 150-ish, 160-ish. That is quite the collection. <laughs> How many years has it been that you've been collecting trainers for? Probably in the last 10 years, I've been a bit more. I've always loved them, but I think probably in the last 10 years. What is it about sneakers that you love? I think it just goes back to, I think my dad bought me my first pair of sneakers when I was like 10 years old, not 10 years old, younger than that, seven or eight, my first pair of Nikes, red and white ones, and I've got a picture of them on my wall. And I think growing up, I just never really was able to have sneakers coming from single parent families. And now it's just, it's my thing. I love them. I've always got the latest ones. 
how would you describe yourself in three words? Do you know what? Funny enough, I actually asked a friend of mine this the other day when we were having a chat and she said, I agree with her, loyal, ambitious and tenacious. Yes, I love those words. I can really relate to them. I'm just going to add into that. I can be really freaking lazy as well. I think that's the first thing I just found myself to be quite lazy as well. But yeah, loyal, ambitious and tenacious. And also it's all about balance, isn't it? So it's okay to have a lazy Sunday morning sometimes. Lazy week. Or a lazy week. So starting at where you're at today, you're currently a digital legal counsel at Warner Chapel. What does your day-to-day look like at the moment? So um, at Warner, we're a very small team looking after digital licensing. And our kind of sole focus is just to ensure that all the streaming and download services are licensed. So anything from, you know, YouTube, Apple Music, Tidal, Amazon to your kind of real smaller service and making sure our rights and our writers' rights are not being infringed and being paid, you know, appropriately. So a typical day is emails, good old emails, going through those, being involved in kind of negotiations with other new services or existing services, renewals with them, drafting and negotiating licenses, also just kind of at the moment, especially just keeping on top of regulatory issues um, and changes in law that might affect licensing. It's quite admin and data heavy as well. If you look at services like Apple Music or Spotify, the amount of data they generate on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, the streams, the downloads of those services. So we work with a third party who processes all that data. So there's always queries coming up with respect to those. So that takes up a big chunk of my time as well. And then just general internal external queries, either from our writers, from managers, from record labels, or just other services or people wanting to use music. So it's kind of a pretty broad spectrum of stuff that I do on a day basis. What is it that you love about it the most? I think there's something about digital, which I love. And I don't know what it is, but also I just like the idea of looking after writers and just making sure they're getting paid properly. Because it's something that's always kind of been with me for many years. So I think that's my thing. It's just want to make sure the writers are being looked after. Yeah, absolutely. Because without songwriters, there is no music industry. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And people forget that. There's very little focus on the songwriter. There's so much focus on the artists, but nobody really looks behind that. So yeah, and that's kind of always been it's something that's really sat with me for for many years through through my kind of work in the industry do you think that comes from starting your career in a collection society at prs because you were so exposed to the royalties and the processes that goes into paying songwriters possibly i think it goes back further so when i was 13 14 coming from a small city there was a lot of private radios you know i was kind of very exposed to music from that time and I, at that time, I was doing pirate radio, it was DJ on pirate radio, and I was so focused on unsigned local artists. There was something about kind of unsigned singer-songwriters that I always had a feel for and always would push them. So I think it's always come from something about the underdogs. I'm not saying writers are the underdogs, but they are kind of, they're forgotten. And I think that's where it stems from. And then I think, yeah, like you say, going to PRS, it probably has just kind of stemmed from that and understanding what writers do how they're not you know represented how they're not looked after and how they're forgotten you moved into the digital side of the business at quite a timely time in 2010 when streaming was massively coming into fruition what is it that interested you in moving into the digital side of the business perhaps it wasn't you know 
like this is what's happening in the business at the moment but that was just something I noticed when putting the two and two together to be honest I think like you said there was nothing specific that interests me I think it was just it was a pretty organic move coming from a society working music in tv and then iTunes just seemed the natural next step. It was music, it was online, and it was just something that I wanted to do. It wasn't like, this is what I need to do. It was just something inside me that I just kind of knew I wanted to do. But I've got to say, it was kind of bittersweet for me at the time. I mentioned my brother earlier, and he had a record shop from 97 until 2012. And I got my job at iTunes in 2010. So it was kind of very bittersweet because as he was closing his shop doors, I'm here getting a job in the type of company that's taken his livelihood away from him. Luckily for my brother anyway, he was always one step ahead, so he saw it coming. But yeah, digital for me, it was just it was just really organic and it was just a natural step to kind of go into. And how did that role come about? What was the process that you went through to get that role? Like at the moment, working at a streaming company is massively competitive, but obviously back then it was relatively new. The way I got the job was I was just finishing my LPC, my legal practice course. That's my kind of the final academic qualification to becoming a lawyer. And I'd left London for nine months to do this course and I needed to come back to London. And I was frantically just Googling media jobs, London, music jobs, London. And it came up and I applied. And that's how it was. I mean, I went through about seven rounds of interviews, I think it was. I think Apple do, yeah, Apple do kind of real uh, serious rounds of interviews. And I was just lucky enough that I had the background at PRS, I kind of understood the real kind of basics of publishing that really kind of swung it for me, to be honest. And yeah, I was just kind of really super lucky to get that role. And it's been fantastic for my career. It's been really good. Yeah, it's amazing. So for someone starting out or someone who wants to, you know, get more into the digital space, what sort of skills and experience would you look upon as being useful? I'm going to speak from a publishing perspective more so, but I think understanding publishing, I think is really good because it's different, right? When you're selling a physical product to potentially when you're doing something online, similar rights, but they're kind of implicated differently. And I think having that real kind of foundation, so doing your homework, understanding how the rights are implicated, how digital services operate. I think that in itself is just really invaluable. So I think just do a bit of homework, research, speak to people and use the products understand how products work so I was lucky enough to be involved in the global launch of Apple Music in 2015 and that was brilliant just seeing how you kind of build something from nothing to this global product understanding everything that goes into it and how the actual product works and that's really helped me in my current role now because I can look at it from the other side yeah understanding how the products work is really key yeah it's almost like it's a no-brainer isn't it but actually if you want to go for a job at Amazon or Twitch then get on Twitch. Get on Twitch, understand it, see how it works. What are the issues? You know, how's music, if we're talking music, how's music used on it? What people using it for? We'll kind of understand the products and understand how different services operate. Apple Music operates a little bit differently to Spotify. In effect, they're pretty much the same, but there are differences. Same with Amazon, um, same with other services. So just kind of real kind of understanding how things work. You qualified as a music lawyer in 2017 but you'd already been working in the industry for a good 17 years. So you had shitload of experience. What was the benefit of taking the leap and qualifying as a music lawyer? So I actually decided to be a lawyer back in 2007. So after I'd done my kind of time at PRS, I was working a lot with contracts 
and things, you know, writer contracts, composer contracts, publishing contracts. It was at that point and doing my work at Discovery Channel where I was kind of issuing licenses. That's when I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And this was years after graduating. So it took me a while to figure out what I actually wanted to do in the industry. And then I kind of did the night courses, you know, I did my illegal conversions I took the year out to do the final kind of LPC and then I completed my academic training in 2010 just as I got the job at iTunes or Apple Music as it's known now I kind of knew I didn't want to qualify straight away because I kind of look at it like driving stay with me on this one so just because you have your driving license doesn't mean you know how to drive yes you know what to do but you really don't, you can't be a good driver until you've had experience. It's only until you've had your first car or you've been driving for a year or two that you can actually really drive. Just because I'd qualified as a lawyer doesn't make me a good lawyer. So I wanted to kind of get that experience and just work. So I worked as a legal specialist at iTunes, which is a paralegal, supporting the lawyer, supporting the business. So and I got to learn a lot through that. Qualifying wasn't an immediate priority for me. It wasn't until about 2016. I was like, right, I need to do this now because I need to qualify that will then kind of give me that next step up on the ladder and I was the first lawyer to qualify iTunes I did my training there I did uh, one year at a top law firm in the city which was the best and worst year of my life and then I formally qualified in 2017 even though I've qualified but I've had about 15 years of legal experience working in a kind of legal capacity so while I'm a lawyer I'm also quite commercially savvy which I guess is massively useful for your employers as well and also the parties that you're working with if you're working with digital streaming companies and then you're also working publishing side with the songwriters representing them licensing their work etc it's one thing knowing the law and knowing how to draft an agreement but not knowing how something actually works in practice you can put lots of things into a contract but if they're not going to work practically if as a service not going to be able to adhere to those there's no point putting in the contract so it goes back to understanding how things work so that really helps in my role right now understanding how things work then I know how to draft things into a contract. Being a woman of colour in an area of the music industry where there are fewer women specifically music law have you had any times when you've experienced gender bias or racism? This is a really good question because it's so in our forefront and it's so sensitive now like everyone is kind of talking about diversity and inclusion and I think to date I don't recall any racism or gender bias but I think given the current spotlight on diversity equity and inclusion it's really got me thinking back at my career you look at things differently one experience at the time which I thought was great now I look back and I think that was because of the color of my skin and it was a company where, you know, in the team, I was the only brown person, which for me, I didn't mind actually, because I quite like being different. So for me, I was like, I'm the only Indian here, which is really weird. But at the time, it was great. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I remember we'd have artists coming in and out for kind of album listening sessions. And we had this little lounge where everybody would come in and, you know, artists would play their music and talk about the album. They'd come in with their managers, with their um, the record label representative. And I remember we had an artist coming in and I got asked to come into the lounge. For me at the time, I was like, I've made it. I'm in with a crowd, you know, I'm in with the cool kids in the office. I'm here. And then it was great. Listen to the album. It was great. And that was it. And then now looking back, it's because it was a black artist. And I was the only brown face in that office. So it was about having a brown face in that room to show the artists that, you know, look, you know, we're diverse. We have people that look like you here. And yeah, and it's just interesting how at the time I thought it was great. You know, so I'd only been at the company for a year or so. But now looking back, it was because it was the colour of my skin, which right now it doesn't bother me but I think this is where people you know companies need to start making a change in how they kind of operate and how they employ different people and are truly diverse and inclusive yeah rather than the tokenism of having one person in a team going oh yeah no we've ticked a box now exactly the checkbox exercise which I hate yeah it's just it's not genuine and it's not authentic and that doesn't mean that you're a diverse company it all comes through the beliefs that everybody has Also, I think being comfortable to talk about it as well, like this year, it's been confronting for many people. And I think probably white people have had to reconsider, am I under the surface a little bit racist? But because it like, it really throws it in your face. And it's like, well, okay, this is this is really something that we need to be doing something about. It's not just something that has been like flung under the carpet for ages totally I spoke in a panel this week at Warner it was one of the first ones I did which I really enjoyed and one of the things I did talk about was about the term BAME it actually means and one of my colleagues one of my really good friends in the office messaged me and said our panel is great and she said I didn't understand what it really meant and I was like don't worry like so many people don't like they think it's okay but all you're doing in effect is just you categorizing BAME, black, or in everything else that comes under it, and white British. That's what it is. BAME means anything or anybody who doesn't identify with white British. So you're grouping people together. 
Um, and yeah, it was just interesting. And she was like, I'm so ashamed. I was like, don't be. As long as like, you've acknowledged it and you're now paying attention and understanding that it means something, um, that's the first step. Yeah, BAME is the sweep everything into one box. And I hold my hands up and I, I come with your colleague who spoke to you. We don't realise, even being a woman, but like, you know, being a white woman, you're still treated a little bit differently, which is not okay. It's not okay. Well, one thing I did say actually was like the A in BAME, Asian. So I would fall under the A in Asian. I've never called myself Asian. The only time I've called myself Asian is if I've had to check a box on a form. Which someone else has given you. So you have to check the box. So maybe I could just tick other and write what I am. But you just kind of instinctively just check the box because that's how society sees me. But, you know, I'm Indian, British Indian, proud of it. But that term BAME takes that away from me. So, yeah, get rid of using that word. Stop using it. What do you think business could be doing more of? that they're not doing in this area at the moment. So specifically in businesses that have a diversity and inclusion strategy. And I was talking to a friend who's actually, she's Japanese and she still fall under that diversity. But I think also we have an association that diversity means black, Asian, but actually it includes everybody from every other nationality. And we were talking about, is it diversity and inclusion or is it just diversity? Because surely there should already be an equal inclusion for everybody working in one company. So from a business perspective, what I kind of say is they really need to step back and decide what they want to achieve. Look around uh, who their people are, what changes do they need to make? Because diversity isn't just about black or white about disabilities and you know and gender everything it kind of all comes under that so do you have everything in place for different disabilities if not how quickly can you get provisions in place if you had to what support is there for the lgbt community are men and women treated fairly are they treated equally what does the pay look like you know looking back at 2019 the uk music survey it showed significantly how women are underpaid in companies and music companies what are you doing about that also, you know, look at the different ethnicities, races, cultures that you have in your company. Are you treating them all equally? Are you diverse? And I think people do need to kind of step back and look before they can kind of make changes and actually decide what changes they want to make. You know, is your senior leadership team representative of your company? I think it's just more about stepping back rather than, like you just said, doing the checkbox exercises. You know, we've done a video on diversity. Yep, we're diverse. Well, have you really? Um also, what message are you sending out? I remember seeing something on social media where this black girl was saying that she, I think she's a stylist or something, and she'd been asked by a uh, major TV company to come and do a piece on Black History Month. Great, but we've got no budget. Can you just come and do it? And she was like, no. And I think this is what it is. It's like, well, it's Black History Month, so we need to do something. Let's get a black person in to talk about it. We don't have a budget, but at least we're doing something. You're bringing somebody in to do something. Have a budget, just like you would have a budget for something else. Treat it equally and decide why you're doing something. What message do you want to send out? And how do you think um, companies can include their employees in those types of decisions? Like, for example, it could be easier for, say, a senior leadership team to pull out all of the black women and men in their company and ask them what do you think we can do but that's still singling out individuals rather than asking everybody like what 
what type of approach do you think would be most effective to include the company in, in the decisions that the senior leadership team or the diversity inclusion team are making? I think it all really depends on the company, how big they are. Like you said, you know, you could pick people to have that conversation. You could have a group that is dedicated to diversity, but having people from different levels and so not just having senior teams who are right where, you know, this is the diversity group. We're going to come together every month and talk about what we need to do. Look at the junior members of the team. Look at the ones that are probably underrepresented. I, for one, you know, in the industry, 20 years, lucky to have female bosses for most part of it white British all my managers were white British nobody's ever looked like me to date there's no senior female Indian woman in my position or somebody that I can look up to including those junior members of the team you know asking them and I think that's what it is I think you really have to look at it from not just from the senior perspective but getting different segments of your company of your teams mm. circling back to what you're also doing at the moment, Music Defined is a business that you launched in December of last year. Last year is 2020, if you're listening to this in 2025. Tell us, what is the vision of the company and what was it that made you want to set it up? This was actually my five-year plan 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, it was my kind of my dream 10 years ago. And that was like my five-year plan. By the time in my mid-30s, this is what I'm going to be doing. I've always been focused on my career and becoming a lawyer was like the key thing at the time. Um, and over the years, I've kind of done bits and bobs on what is music defined now but it was only last summer I think I decided to take the plunge I think it's a lockdown effect I think everyone was going to be going right what can I do so I kind of made it happen last year and I just thought to be honest I'm not getting any younger it doesn't happen now it's never going to happen so music defined is made up of two parts side a which is focused on artists and writers and the b side which is for businesses so B-Side hasn't quite fully launched yet, but in terms of Side A, so it's more about helping artists and songwriters, singer-songwriters kind of at any stage of their business, just understand about the business behind the music. I think creatives forget that it is for business. A lot of creatives that I know ultimately want to make a living out of songwriting or singing. If you don't understand your rights or don't understand how you can make money from being a songwriter or an artist, then you can't run your business. My goal is to kind of give people a basic understanding of how the business works, kind of to help them make informed decisions, just understanding, you know, what are your rights as a songwriter? What rights do you have? How can you protect those rights? How can you make money from them? What it means to be signed? I think a lot of people have this vision of, I want to get signed, but what does that actually mean? Some people might actually be better off not having a record deal or a publishing deal, and it might be better for them to self-publish for a while until they get to a point where they might need a publishing deal. It's just helpful to kind of, A, make informed decisions, and also if you're stepping into a room with a publisher or you're interviewing for a new manager, you kind of need to know what your business is so you know that they're doing the right job and you know what questions to ask. So it's pretty much just empowering singer-songwriters wherever they are in their career just to understand the business. And while there's a lot of information out there, so, you know, you've got PRS, PPL, you've got YouTube videos, you've got all websites, but it's so fragmented and so confusing. It's difficult to piece together if you kind of don't know what you're looking for. So the kind of ultimate goal is to kind of provide a one-to-one -one service it's a space for you to come ask questions. I can answer questions for you. I can explain how things work. I can explain why you need to be a member of PRS, whether you need to be a member of MCPS or PPL. 
you know, how do you get paid from Spotify? How do you get your content on Spotify? Why may you not be getting paid? It's all those kind of questions. So yeah, it's just like kind of one-to-one service. There's nothing out there. There's a lot of forums and websites, like I said, but there's never a kind of one-to-one space. So that's what Music Defined did. And then just on the B-side piece, which hasn't fully launched yet, but the goal is kind of similar, but to support businesses, any business that are using music or creating content, just helping them understand why they need a license, when they need a license, where they get a license from. Also doing masterclasses. So supporting any kind of companies that do music-based projects, whether it's for young people. So kind of just doing an hour or two hours on teaching the young people about music and, you know, the basics copyright and what PRS is and what they need to do and those kind of things so it's just more about just helping the people yeah I get you it's all about simplifying what is quite a complicated business which does need modernizing in some respects like mechanical licensing is definitely not mechanical licensing in the present day (laughs) what are the three things that you have learned in your career that you would want listeners to take away well okay three points so move on don't get stuck in a job just because you love it and you love the job and you love the company if you're not progressing if you're not making moves if the company isn't investing in you if you're not being challenged then get out it's not a bad thing to move on you could stay in a company for one year and just know actually it's time for me to go the loyalty is good but don't you know don't feel like you have to stay in a company that's the first one um secondly ask questions speak up use your voice and i know it's it's such a cliche but no there's never a silly question there isn't And if you ask questions, you know, if you're in a meeting and you're asking questions, you've actually just used your voice for people to recognize that you're actually in that room. And there's a lot of this recently, but it actually is true. Get out your comfort zone, take up opportunities, do things that you wouldn't do. When I mentioned earlier, me speaking on this panel at Warner, I've never done anything like that before. And I was so worried about it. And it was like a week of just stressing about it and thinking about it that when I did it, it was brilliant. And it's already opened up so many opportunities for me within the company. It was one of the best moves, you know, made. So yeah, take those opportunities and put yourself out there. What is the best advice anyone has ever given you? Um, everyone is winging it. That is so true. I always question myself as a lawyer. I always question myself in the business. And, you know, I look around and go, but they're so confident. They know what they're talking about. And, you know, that law is speaking louder than me. Actually, they might be speaking louder than me. They don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, everyone's winging it. So just show up, be confident. And also another thing, apart from winging it, if you don't know something, admit it. There's winging it and there's actually just being quite open and going, you know what, I'm not 100% sure about that. Let me come back to you. But yeah, wing it. Ooze confidence. Just, yeah wing it and also I would just add to that if you don't know something google it or ask someone google is our best friend youtube is our best friend honestly I come from a time I'm so freaking old I come from a time where there was no google there was no internet you know you search for companies through the yellow pages and I think people now are so lucky you've got everything at your fingertips as well so and finally, Bobby, if listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? And where can they find out more about Music Defined if they want to reach out and ask you some questions? So Instagram's a good place. Uh, my Instagram handles are at Bobsky Mystery, all one word. You'll see all my sneakers and me lifting heavy stuff as well. Music Defined handle is Music Defined UK. The website is musicdefined.co.uk. 
you can email me at bm at musicdefined.co.uk. You know, I'm on Clubhouse now as well. I'm still finding my way through that. So yeah, Clubhouse. I just say, you know what? If you're a songwriter, an established one or one starting out, just get in touch. If you've got some questions, I'm here to help. I want to help. I want to see you thrive. So yeah, get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been great. The Mellow Compass podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. To keep updated on the latest episodes, hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.